0: Well, this morning we do have a special guest and I'd like to introduce him to you now. Before you join me on stage, Coach Les, I want to tell you a little bit about Coach because you need to know him so that you can put his story together and, and really give God glory for his goodness in Les's life as he shares his story with us. Well, you may know Les as a former Minnesota Vikings head football coach. He also coached as an offensive coordinator for one of the Super Bowl champion teams for the New England Patriots and also the Tennessee Titans. He was the offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl there. One of his great privileges was coaching his, a high school football team upon which his son played And they won the state championship game. Isn't that awesome? That's so great. What a proud dad, no doubt about it. You know, Coach Les also uh, served us faithfully in the military, in the US Marine Corps for 30 years as a colonel, and we're grateful for your service. And lastly, just wanna let you know that he was the CEO and president of FCA for 12 years. He is no longer that now, but uh, he is certainly a a dear uh, brother in the Lord. And so we welcome Coach Les. Come and share with us a good word today.
1: Well, I'm sure you've had other guest speakers and they've said uh, how much they've uh, been humbled and honored, but I have. I've been in your community now for my third day, and what I see going on, what I hear, and what I experienced at North Star Christian Academy. Uh, If you're not familiar with that tremendous ministry there, uh, I would encourage you to get involved. It's amazing what's happening with young men in the hockey world who are being sent out as missionaries across the country and in the NHL. And I know in Minnesota, where I used to live for six years, uh, people love hockey. Uh, Let me ask you, uh, can you hear me in the back? Okay, because the last time I was invited to speak in Minnesota, I asked that question, and a guy yelled, no! (laughs) And about six or eight guys in the front row got up and moved to the back. That's how much I was loved as the head coach of the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, you guys know all about that, right? I always tell people we all remember uh, the Hall of Fame coach Bud Grant, right? Bud, I think is ninety-two. He and I just spent four hours together a while back, and uh, we're the only two alive on the staff. Bud's ninety-two. I was twenty years younger than every coach, and uh, but we had a great experience. But Sometimes uh, I always say, "You know who the trivia question, who is the head coach between Bud Grant and Bud Grant?" And uh, unfortunately, everybody remembers, you know, so <laughs> that really is bad, really is bad. Well, I'm honored to be here. I believe me, I pray all the time that God would give me opportunities to share my faith, and um, just before we get started, I, I just want you to know that um, without a doubt. Uh, Thirty years in the Marine Corps, I uh, graduated from college, and the next day I joined the Marines. And the next thing you knew, I was at Officer's Candidate School. And then in the Corps, uh, as an officer, every single person, if he's involved in the law, legal field, or a pilot, artillery, tank, supply, motor transport, they all go through 26 weeks of infantry school. And then when you get out, uh, you uh, get your MOS. Mine was infantry. And I can remember getting our orders, um, and everybody sat there, uh, all 357 of us, and we all asked around, what what did you get, infantry? What did you get, infantry? Hey, what did you get, infantry? At Vietnam, as you remember, uh, that was uh, amazing, uh, not conflict, but war in our country. So, as an NFL coach and as a Marine, people say, well, what are your thoughts about the flag. And I said, here's the answer I gave you. And every single time we stand for the flag and we kneel for the cross. It's that simple. And that's the way it should be in this great country. So I'm going to ask everyone, man and woman, if if you've served in the military, would you please stand? Please stand if you've served. Take a look around. Any jarheads in the room? There are any jarheads? If you're a jarhead, stand up. Hoorah. Now, hold on. Stay right there. Have you folks ever heard that commercial? We're only looking for a few good men. One. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, um, I'm famous for having a flip phone. But uh, anybody here with a flip phone? Okay. Got one guy. Good. The Marine? Oh, my goodness. We got a lot in common, buddy. Somebody sent an email to my wife and I, and uh, so I'm going to read this to you. Our pastor, Trinity Op, was visiting an elderly church member at a nursing home recently and noticed a bowl of peanuts by her bed and took one. As they talked and passed the time, he couldn't help himself and he ate one after another. By the time the visit was over, the bowl was empty. And Trinity turned to her, as this says, and I seem to have eaten all your peanuts. She said, Oh, that's okay. She replied, They would have gone stale anyway. Without my teeth, all I do is suck the chocolate off. There's no sign on here. Nobody said who they did it, but anyway, that's that's the way it goes. Okay. I'm confident, uh, being in this community, that sports is important, and the sports world is important. And so my question always is, who's number one? You know, the World Series for Baseball in college is coming up soon, for softball with the women. Um... Just recently, the Final Four in New Orleans, where I was blessed to uh, be invited with my wife to uh, cheer my alma mater. Uh, Any Jayhawks in the crowd? Rock, chalk, Jayhawk, KU. We won the national championship, just so you know. And I've been in Kentucky prior to coming to Minnesota, and for a week I wore my Kansas t-shirts everywhere I went. A couple times I thought I was going to get mugged, but uh, if you know anything about college basketball and the blue bloods of Kentucky and Kansas, but it was a lot of fun. But who, who's number one in your life? That's my question to you. You know, I think about that and, you know, people's jobs, their careers, the success. Well, they say their family and their future and money and people were always, as I travel this country with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, my wife and I were on the road 2,203 days. We did not sleep in our bed. We were in 49 states. We were trying to advance the kingdom as much as possible. And uh, a gentleman in the audience, Brent Smith, has known me for a time, and I told him how we went from 500 staff to 1,700 how we went from a small ministry to 50 states and 108 countries. And what I saw, I wrote this down. 12 years of travel with FCA, and here's how I phrased it. I see people who are unhappy, not knowing what they want, and killing themselves to get it. They're consumed by desires to buy things they don't need, with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. It's amazing how lost people are if they don't know Jesus Christ. Now, what I have to say today, I'm not sure if it's going to make a difference in your life. But as the Lord knows, I have prayed often that I could be used to travel the country with the platform God has given me as a coach as a colonel, as a CEO, and I'm confident that someone here will hear the gospel maybe for the first time and understand the excitement that it could be in his or her life to know Christ personally. I will tell you this, without a doubt, we all heard of Winston Churchill, right? Remember what he said? Never give up, never give up, never give up. And then there was a gentleman who spoke at a baccalaureate degree uh, ceremony out in California a couple of years ago, and he was flown in from around the country, and he came to speak at this college, and he stood up, and he said, this, never stop loving your spouse, Never stop loving your spouse. Never stop loving your spouse. And he went over and sat down. And that was it. That was it. And I said, man, they paid that guy a lot of money to say that. And Trinity's hadn't paid me that much, so what I'm going to do is tell you something three times. Totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. As a Marine, it's very hard to say surrender. I tell athletes all the time, promises are for losers, commitments are for winners. But when it comes to our Christian faith, commitment, that's one word. Surrender, that's another. We have a church in Brentwood, Tennessee, where I'm a member, one of 12,000, and at one time I was in charge of the men's ministry between my coaching career and FCA, and I used to tell the pastor, Mike Lynn, we ought to put a sign outside. Here's what it should say. Membership wanted for those who are unselfish, willing to be scorned, willing to serve, willing to sacrifice and yes, willing to surrender, please sign up at your earliest convenience. You know, I think people go through this world and without a doubt, they have no idea what the Trinity means. It's exciting when you have the Holy Spirit living in your life. Well, allow me to share my personal testimony. We all have stories. As the pastor said, I'm going to share mine. So I'm this kid that grew up in eastern Pennsylvania. All the dads worked at the Bethlehem Steel. For some of you may remember the Bethlehem Steel. But all the dads worked at the Bethlehem Steel, the cement factories, the factories. The word college I never heard of except for my dad. You're going to college. I had no idea what that meant. But I know one thing for sure, that I wanted so badly to serve our country because I was raised by a World War II vet, and I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. So what did I do? I ran for president of my class, president of student body, was fortunate to win, played three sports, one year in football, the rest was basketball and baseball, had a heck of a career, was recruited for basketball and baseball to go to the Naval Academy. Next thing you know, I flunked a physical. I took it four times. But the life I was living, in a very stressful, tension-filled environment, I had hives all over my body. Can you imagine playing sports and being a captain of a team and kind of run in run through the shower and run back out so, that, so your teammates couldn't see that? That was rough. Well, after I flunked the physical several times... A gentleman, a young man who used to guard me on an opposing basketball team called and said, hey, my my uncle is the chancellor and president at the University of Kansas. How'd you like to go to Kansas? I said, how far is it? He said, 2,000 miles. I'll take it. I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get out of that environment. And out to KU I went. Now, I got a feeling some of you know who Gail Sayers is. How many? Just raise your hand if you know who Gale Sears is. There you go. Kansas Comet, Hall of Fame running back for the Chicago Bears. Now, do you know who John Riggins? You remember that running back? Hall of Fame running back with the Redskins, right? Centuria Kansas, right? <laughs> Two great players. You've heard of them. That's why you never heard of me. Can you imagine being a running back on a football team with Gale Sears and John Riggins? I never stepped on the field. Matter of fact, I never suited up for a game. Two phenomenal players. Well, Dad, I want to transfer. Nope. You're hitchhiking back there again. We were, we were such that I had to hitchhike from Philadelphia out to Lawrence, Kansas, at least six or eight times. Well, <clears throat> I get out there in my sophomore year, I get involved with the Golden Gloves. Anybody know about that? Yeah. And the custodian for our fraternity asked me if I knew how to use the gloves, and I used the gloves all the time where I grew up. And so I said, sure. And next thing you know, I'm downtown. I'm training with his son who was getting ready to turn pro, who lost a split heavyweight decision to a guy 100 pounds more than him. He was driving to Kansas City, and he was in a car wreck and broke his leg in three places, could never walk normal again. So he was hustling guys to prepare and box and he would train them, and he trained three of us, two turned pro. I had no interest in doing it. I will say I was undefeated, but I had no, no interest in doing that. I won a championship. I thought I was kingpin. I thought I walked on planet Earth, you know, and everybody saw me, because where I grew up, if you could beat somebody up, that's, that's the deal. And I remember a guy about 6'6", about 255, one of our tackles said, you're coming with me to hear a guy speak. And I told him, what, what about? He said, Christianity. I said, I don't need that religious jazz. I was top of the world. Hey, don't give me that jazz. I'm not going. He kept pestering me and finally said, all right. All right, Harold, I'll go. I still talk to him four times a year. He's been struggling, dying of cancer for the last eight, and he's hanging on. I'll go, Harold, I'll I'll go listen to this guy. And I did. And here's what he said. I'll never forget it. It was 1966. He said, over here, you're born. You got no control of that. And over here, you're going to die. You got no control of that. Oh, you want to take a gun, put it in your mouth, and pull the trigger? And you call that control? But he said this and caught my eye, caught my ear. He said you see this timeline? Are you tough enough to relinquish that timeline between the time you're born and the time you pass? And I just kind of sat up and said, yeah, I'm tough enough. And two weeks later, I accepted Jesus Christ, are you listening, as my Savior, not my Lord, Down south, they said, you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord? I accepted my Jesus as my Savior. You know, I took the Aaron Rodgers discount double check, fire insurance, okay? But I had no idea what it was to have Jesus as my Lordship. I didn't get it. Didn't get it at all. Well, next thing you know, I graduated off to OCS, TBS, off to Vietnam, came back. Next thing you know, it's February 15th, 1972. I'm getting ready to be honorably discharged from the United States Marine Corps. I get on my knees in the apartment where I was sharing an apartment with a guy who later was a two-star general in the Marine Corps. And he and I were dear friends. And he knew he was gonna make the Marines a career. I knew that wasn't for me, or at least active duty. And I said, Lord, I am scared to death. I've been more frightened now than I ever have sitting in an ambush site. Would you please tell me why I'm here? I remember that guy back at KU. He said, if you accepted Christ, you would receive peace, which I had no idea what that was. You would have purpose. That caught my ear you would have power. I wasn't interested in that. And you would have pardon. What have I ever done wrong? Coming back from Vietnam, maybe I have. But I can tell you this, I was locked in. Please tell me what you want me to do. Well, my girlfriend, who's now been my wife for 48 years, and I like to think 48 years is a good year. She just told me the other day that um, she had a new two-year contract for me to sign. <laughs> you know, I, I said to her, I said, babe, the last contract we signed, you know, you had an unlimited expense account and you exceeded it. I mean, how does that work? She said, well, my people will be calling your people if you want to make it to 50. So we're, we're negotiating, but I think it'll work out. So she was my girlfriend And all my Marine buddies said, you would be a great football coach, because I played for the National Marine Corps team, the Quantico Marines. Some of you guys may remember that team. It's the only place where you could play, along with the Pensacola Gosh Hawks, where your college eligibility was up. Roger Staubach went to the Naval Academy, won the Heisman Trophy, sat on a ship for a year outside of Vietnam. Roger and I are dear friends. We met at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in 1972. And uh, he played for the Pensacola Gosh Hawks, 24 games, was the quarterback and went right to the Cowboys and started. How did he do that three years out? He, I said, Roger, you never told anybody you played at Pensacola. He said, well, they never asked, you know. <laughs> but I can tell you this, I said to my girlfriend and all my Marine buddies, that is the last thing I ever do. When I was an athlete, three sports, coaches would berate you, belittle you, Uh, bully you. I mean, now I'm going to be one of those guys, and I'm a Christian. I'm not not doing that. No way. More and more opportunities came my way, and the next thing you know, I started my coaching career. I started at the University of Colorado for $150 a month, slept on a cot in a garage with no heat, For 18 months to start my career, and the next thing you knew, I was off to the Naval Academy where I always wanted to go, and now I'm going to get to coach these midshipmen. And the next thing you know, I'm off to the San Francisco 49ers, and all of a sudden, on March 8th, my wife's birthday, I land in the Minnesota Vikings coaching staff. In 22 months, I was on the fast track. Folks, I was in the far left lane going 110 miles an hour. And no one was stopping me. Away I go. Well, yeah, we say type A personality. I was a type triple A personality. You know what I was doing? I was playing April Fool's every day. But I never knew it. Oh, yeah, I, I would claim, oh, oh, me? Oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, oh, faith? Oh, yes, Family? Oh, you bet. Football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hmm But I was not living it. It was all about football. Yep, all about football. At 37 years old, I was the second youngest head coach in the NFL. Fired. I spoke at a church, and a lady came up to me afterwards, and she said, um, Coach, uh, I think God's breaking you. I think you're going to go through a brokenness process. I said, what's that? (laughs) Shrugged my shoulders, had no idea. Off to New England, I go. What what happens? I'm, I'm the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl team, New England Patriots, with a gentleman named Raymond Berry. Johnny Unitas, Hall of Fame quarterback, throws the ball to Raymond Berry, the Hall of Fame receiver. I've lived almost 76 years now, and I've met one person in my life who lives the Christian life moment by moment by the Holy Spirit, Raymond Berry. Coach Tom Landry with the Dallas Cowboys had me to his home right after I got fired, mentored and ministered to me and encouraged me for two days. As Roger said, I was probably the only person, to his knowledge, outside (coughs) of his family was ever in his home. I was blessed. He offered me a job. And I thought, Raymond offered me a job. For whatever reason, the Lord had me go with Raymond. Never been around a guy like that. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, we end up playing in the Super Bowl. We played the Chicago Bears. And to correct you, Trinity, um, we didn't win. The Bears uh, scored right at the end of the game to barely beat us, 46 to 10. (laughs) It's not that funny. I'm still going to counseling. (laughs) Well, fast forward, we go to the Super Bowl. The next thing you know, Coach Landry reaches out to Raymond, gives me permission to interview with him. I meet him in New Orleans in a hotel. For three and a half hours, we got literally a, a blackboard in chalk. This is 1986. And afterwards, he was very complimentary about my X's and O's in football. And as a gentleman, Tom Landry, who probably impacted the Ministry of Fellowship of Christian Athletes more than anyone ever, gets up, opens the door. He says, uh, Les, pleasure spending time with you and you may be the most aggressive person I've ever met. As I walked down the hall in this hotel, just months before, we were in that superdome where we got spanked, and that made me feel real bad, but that comment, I felt the Lord saying, "That wasn't a compliment. You're the most aggressive person. I've ever met. I didn't get it, folks. I didn't get it. Well, fast forward, and now my fourth year with the Patriots, and we're at the Air Force Academy. We're getting ready to play the Denver Broncos, and I'm getting ready to walk into a room to present the game plan, and Raymond comes up and taps me on the shoulder, and he says, "Uh, Lessa, do you have any peace in your life? Uh, Raymond, I got to give this game plan. He said, Les, do you have any peace in your life? It was like taking a Marine bayonet and going, right in my heart. Do you have any peace in your life? Oh my goodness gracious. Well, we went on to, uh, we were winning 23 7, lost the game. Raymond called me in a couple days later. And he said, Les, the Lord told me to hire you in 1985, and this morning in my quiet time, he told me to fire you. As I write in a book that my wife and I wrote called One Yard Short, we also lost the Super Bowl in the last play of the game with the Tennessee Titans. The subtitle is Turning Your Defeats into Victories. Raymond said... Eighty-five, I was told to hire you by the Lord. Today, he told me to fire you. Folks, I would have fired myself if I had any idea. So let me paint a picture for you. Remember that far left lane I was going 110 miles an hour? Well, guess what? God slammed on the brakes, and I skidded to the side of the road, almost went over the cliff, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw and reflected on my past and how it impacted my life, not in a good way. And then as I'm sitting there, you see those two mirrors? I looked in the blind spots, and I went, oh, my goodness. I am blind to who I am. I have no awareness of who I am, how I come across to people. You know, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. But I know one thing, and being told by Coach Landry, I'm the most aggressive guy to a gentleman who I truly put on a pedestal, Raymond Berry, and then all of a sudden, I am going through brokenness. What that lady said to me at that church in Edina, Minnesota, well, I'm out of work, and sure enough, no calls, no, no, Nothing. Then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from my kid brother, 11 years younger, Marine football coach. He said, Les, there's an offensive coordinator job at uh, Brown University. I said, I never heard of it. He said, it's an Ivy League school. Oh, NFL to an Ivy League school? Yeah. I said, uh, maybe you ought to call and see if you can get a job there. Well, I need a job, that's for sure. So I interviewed with the head coach three times and a Harvard grad, and he brings me into this bar one night in the back corner, smoke-filled bar in 1989. He says, Coach, I want to offer you the offensive coordinator job at Brown University. He said, now I need to tell you something. We haven't won a game here in over a year, and we're going to get fired at the end of the season, but would you be willing to take this job? I'm sure you're concerned about getting fired. I said, no big deal to me. I mean, I've been through this too many times. Yeah, I'll take the job. And sure enough, we got fired at the end of the season. And I was on my way for 13 months of brokenness. Let me paint a picture for you. Let me paint a couple pictures for you. One is you're standing in line in the freezing cold in the Boston, Massachusetts area, and there are guys that are street people with their little grocery carts, and they're going, hey, hey, Ch- hey, hey. Aren't you the guy that used to call plays for the Patriots? Hey, he's one of us now. How about that? Once a month, I had to deal with that. Talk about humility. Talk about being humbled. Yeah. You know what's interesting is the check I got from unemployment was exactly what my mortgage was to the penny. You think God knew what I was coming up to? Let me paint another picture for you. We had a home on a hill in Foxborough. And on Sunday, we would go to our little church, Baptist Church, where that pastor and I are still dear, dear friends, and I would be cutting grass on a Sunday after church, and I would hear the roar of the cloud crowd in Foxborough. I could see the press box where I called plays for a Super Bowl team, and as I cut the grass, I kept thinking about what was going on in my life, and I shut the engine off, and I ran up this long driveway and through the garage and past this stone fireplace and turned right and went up the steps two and three at a time, and then closed the door and pushed that little button to lock it, and I slid to the side of my bed, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. Here, let me paint another picture for you. Brokenness? How about a wild stallion? You ever see a wild stallion and they're trying to break it? Where they kick up the dirt? Where they snort? Where they lift up their legs? Where they run away from their master? That was me. Yeah, that was me. Brokenness? Brokenness? Not sure how many people went through that. October of 1990, I was so down. I said, you know, uh, to my wife, my Marine buddies, and that two-star general nicknamed her Preppy. She went to Cal Berkeley. And all my Marine buddies said, you know, Preppy, that's a good good nickname. I said, yeah, how many Preppies go to Cal Berkeley? One, her. So I said, Preppy, uh, why don't you go down to Dunkin' Donuts, famous place in, back in East, get yourself some coffee and treat yourself, and I'll take care of the three kids. And, you just, and she goes, what? Yeah, I'm out of here. I said, before you leave, I want you to spend time in prayer, and where would you like to live to raise our kids? Because, babe, it's over. My career's over. I mean, no one's called me, no phones, nobody rang the doorbell, nothing. Never heard from one person. She said, okay, she comes back. I said, where where do you want to move and go to raise our kids? She said, North Carolina. I said, what? You're from Southern California, you want to go to North Carolina? She said, babe, there's an expansion team. You said you always wanted to be a part of the expansion team. No, 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 no. She's a pleaser, she's an amazing servant. I said, no, where would you like to live and raise your kids? We've had so many places we've lived. She says, do you know? I said, yeah. She said, okay, what is it? I said, I tell you what, you know how you do on the playground? You go one, two, three, shoot. Remember that one? One, two, three, shoot. And sure enough, we went one, two, three, shoot, Boulder, Colorado. Wow. When we were first married, that's where we lived. That's where I started my career after, uh, before even uh, I got married. Well, I made a bunch of phone calls, tried to get jobs at a bakery, insurance company, selling rugs, unbelievable. No one ever returned my call. Well, it's 24 December 1990, Christmas Eve, and I'm walking down some steps, and I'm praying out loud, Lord, you've got me. You heard what I said December 1st, coming back from Newport, Rhode Island for my service with the Marines. When I was asked to call a guy named Mike Lynn, who was the general manager for the Vikings, who told me all along that I was going to be the next head coach in the World Football League, where now he's the commissioner, and he said I should call him on noon, December 1st, and I'll find out which team I was going to coach. And right at noon, we took a break as officers, and I went to a payphone and I dialed it, and I said, Mike, it's less. He said, yeah, Les, uh, you called at the right time, but it's not going to work out. I got to go, and hung up. You know what Scripture says? You put your trust in man, you can forget it. You put your trust in the Lord, you can always count on it. I drove home screaming and yelling, and here's what I said for an hour and a half off and on, not every time, but off and on, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Whatever you want to do with it, please do with it because I know your plan's far greater than mine. Mm-hmm. Well, at age 44, guess what? I finally got it. So now I'm coming down those steps, December 24th, and I'm praying out loud, please, Lord, we got to do, please, I need a job. I'm hurting. I want my kids on the day tomorrow when you were born, I want them to see my spirit. I want them to see how much I love you. And I want to be a model and a spiritual leader for this family. Would you please help me? And all of a sudden, I turn the corner. I help my wife with a top coat because it's real cold and snowy outside in Foxboro Christmas Eve, and we're going to a candlelight service. And all of a sudden, I put my coat on, and the phone rings off the wall. Now, if you're an unemployed football coach and the phone rings... You go, I'm, I'm not answering that. I'm, I'm going to get rejected. And then I realized, guess what? I haven't talked to anybody. So I pick up the phone, and it goes like this. Hey, Les, this is Bill McCartney. Bill McCartney, founder of Promise Keepers. He said, uh, we're down here playing Notre Dame for the national championship at Colorado, Colorado University in Boulder, Colorado. And he said, I'm walking to a staff meeting, and the Holy Spirit said, call Les Stuckel right now, and I've had your number for years, and you know, we've chatted maybe once every 10 years, but God told me to call you and offer you a job here at the University of Colorado in Boulder. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He says, I don't have an opening. I don't even know what you're going to coach, but God told me to call you right now and offer you a job. We get in our car, we drive over to the church. You can see the candles coming through the glass. I tell my three kids to run in, save us a pew, and I turn to Preppy, and I say, Prep, what do you think? She said, honey, you need to go back to Colorado, and this time, are you listening? Do it his way. I took that and ran with it. My whole life, I've been living a life built on relationships. I went inward, and you know what I found? It was like a Monday night football game at the Met. Going into the stadium after the game, the lights are off, it was cold and dark and empty when I went inside this guy right here. And then I went upward, and I understood what it was to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I went outward for the last 17 years, I've been traveling the country telling people that if you don't know Jesus personally, and you don't have a personal relationship with him, you're not only missing out on an opportunity, it doesn't matter what age. I don't have time to tell you about my dad who finally accepted Christ, and I witnessed the angels bringing him. If there's anything in my life that I've ever experienced, I know there's a heaven. And I know there's a such a thing as an angel's, but we can't see him, but he saw them. Yeah, so know this, without a doubt, I fast forward my brokenness to tell you I've been blessed and abundantly grateful. My faith, my faith, Luke nine twenty three is my favorite verse. And let me close with this. I don't know where you are today, but I know this. This is a verse that I've been reading and carrying with me forever. It's found in Psalm 1715. I've been studying Psalms all year. It goes like this. By the way, this is the Living Bible Translation. I was told years ago by a coach who mentored me once I became a Christian. He said, let's go get the Living Bible Translation, LB, LB. I said, okay, coach, why is that? He said, even linebackers can understand this. (laughs) I've been reading the Living Bible since 1972. It goes like this. As for me, my contentment is not in wealth, but in seeing you and knowing all is well between us. And when I awake in heaven, I will be fully satisfied. I will see you face-to-face. Folks, I have to tell you, you have a great community, and I say that most sincerely. I would encourage you to investigate, if you don't know, about North Star Christian Academy. It's one of the most amazing things I've experienced in my 49-state travel. And I must tell you this, you've been a great audience. I can't thank you for hanging in there with me. I've been blessed. And that crazy Marine that you heard about when I was head coach of the Vikings, it's all true. But I also know as a Marine, when the drill instructor said to the rear march, you turned around and went 180 degrees the other way. And thanks to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I did just that. Thank you. You've been blessed. I've been blessed. Amen.